Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? another exciting episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1980's Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Chris, how you doing? Good, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we, <laughs> we have... There's a big moment coming up, and uh, it might... This, this episode might be the turning point. For not only Superman 2 Movie Minute, but our friendship. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, wow. I'm just giving you that warning. So we're going to proceed here. Uh, the minutes we're talking about are minutes 55 through 60. Uh, and so the, 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 the minutes open up with some country music. Because Superman 2 needs some country music. So there's some country music playing over a uh, big wide shot of, uh, I don't know exactly where this is. I guess it's Houston, right? Is that the idea? Yep. Is that this is Houston? Houston, um, Idaho, I guess, is what it's supposed to be. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? It's not Houston, Texas, obviously. Is it it's like, really? I thought it was like supposed to be like they land instead of landing in Houston, Texas, it was like Houston, Idaho, oh, or I something. Didn't know I that. Thought, oh wow! It, All right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, so anyway, we meet our we meet two new characters. <laughs> we meet <laughs> the sheriff, played by Clifton James. Everybody loves Clifton, Clifton James. And we meet Deputy Dwayne, played by Peter Whitman. Um, now, I we'll get to their credits in a moment. But this is my theory, Chris, and I really need you to be on board with this. This is important to me because Clifton James is in in Superman 2. He is just credited as sheriff. He's -hmm. not given a last name. He is just sheriff. Now, of course, Clifton James's other most famous role was as Sheriff Pepper in Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun, both of whom are written by Tom Mankiewicz. So... I am saying he is playing the same character in Superman 2, which means the Superman movies and the James Bond movies are all in the same universe. <laughs> this is very important to me that you agree with me on this, Chris. I, I, I have to agree <laughs> because I not only is the empirical evidence there, I want to believe. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want to believe that Superman exists in the James Bond universe and, right. and vice versa. Thank goodness. Yeah. Woof. All right. We dodged a bullet there. Cause yeah, I was... and, and, and you know, somewhere that, you know, uh, non and jaws would somehow, somehow meet <laughs> at some point. And, and so people would know that it's not the same guy that That's Richard right. Kill is not non and Jack right. O'Halloran is not jaws. Uh, so, you know, so yeah, exactly. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Like this was, I don't know why I became so fixated on this, but it's like, literally it's Clifton James playing the same guy. It's the same yeah. fat Southern sheriff character that he played in, in the James Bond movies. And I don't, of course, we don't know how much of Superman two is Tom Mankiewicz and how much of it is the other screenwriters. So I don't know if this stuff is Mankiewicz. I think it probably is. And I just, I have to think that when Mankiewicz is writing it, He's saying to himself, 
this is the same guy, and we're going to get the same actor, and he's going to be playing the same. And he's not even not only looks the same, same. He even kind of has the same persona. I mean, it's not like you could just do one sheriff character, but he's literally playing the same kind of good old boy sheriff. And so to me, I'm like, this is it. Which means, yes, as you said, we could have a non-Jaws crossover. We could have a Roger Moore, Christopher Reeve crossover. And oh. everything would be oh, Caroline Monroe from Spy Who Loved Me and Barbara Bach oh, could God. meet Margot Kidder. Uh, or Mar- actually, uh, more appropriate, Caroline Monroe could meet Ursa. It would be perfect. It would just been a been a huge, great movie. So, okay, again, huge load up. Christopher my Reeve can meet Jane Seymour. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Oh, my God. It's great. So, so yeah, we have the Sheriff and Sheriff Dwayne have this uh, very, quote-unquote, comedic conversation about what they're going to order uh, at the diner about uh, doing beans. I can't eat beans. Beans are going to give me a rash. They have a wide selection. That was a big thing was they have a – and I, I don't know about you, Chris, but I used to use they have a wide selection in my life after that. People would go to some place and somebody would complain about the food. I'd say, well, they have a wide selection. And nobody would get what I was doing, but I did it to entertain myself. Right. This this interchange is – I think it's interesting because I don't think this type of – this type of, of scene – with two characters who don't have anything to do with like the main plot of the story, they don't interact with the star. I don't think Hollywood would give these guys these minutes nowadays. Probably not. I, I think these these type of this type of scene. I mean, you get the funny little scenes like in um, you know in the Marvel movies with the, like the Russo brothers bringing all the community actors in to do the little bits, but they're with the stars or with mm-hmm. uh, they're with Ant Man or with Captain America, you know. So it. it but it, this is just the sheriff and the deputy in the car talking about, you know, the fact that the deputy can't eat fish and they got a wide selection and we can get beans and no, uh, you know, I can't eat beans. Give me rations. Like, I think I'll get the fish, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, that is I just don't think that you'd see that. Plus, I, I just uh, before we move past the fact that Sheriff J.W. Peppers here, <laughs> what was the deal in the 70s, early 80s, what was the fascination with the southern or rural country sheriff? Because you had J.W. Pepper, you had, of course, Buford T. Justice. <laughs> Your favorite, yeah. <laughs> my favorite, uh, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> Sheriff Lobo, Claude Atkins. So, I mean, what was the deal? I mean, it was like this was the time. I mean, you, sure, you had Andy Griffith in the 60s. Uh, of course, he was he was the the wise straight man in, right, for right. the series, really, on that show. But the the comical Southern sheriff in the the mid to late seventies, early eighties. That was you. I, they were there was one of them in almost every film <laughs> or a TV show. It just I don't know what that that's kind of died off. You don't see that now. I don't know what it was about that period beyond the CB craze. What what fostered that it's it's just kind of weird if you think about it i think part of it was and this is just off off the top of my head here um is that like like with a lot of stuff in films or in popular culture stuff bubbles up from the counterculture not the counterculture but the fringe culture and then Mm -hmm. when when people start seeing that there's money to be made it bubbles up and so in the 70s when the drive-ins were were still really thriving there was this whole uh thing of they called like hicksploitation 
movies. Mm-hmm. And it was all like, you know, was the oh shoot, I can't remember the name. There's a movie with Peter Fonda where it has that where there's Crazy Larry and I forget the name of it. Uh Dirty Mary Crazy Larry, I think it is. And it was uh and there was all of these kinds of movies aimed at southern audiences. And it was all kind of like truckers and there's Grand Theft Auto with Ron Howard. And that stuff was all made a lot of it by Roger Corman. And those things were cheap to produce and they made good money. And I think that probably major movie studios started looking at this and saying, well, geez, you know, there's this untapped audience that we didn't know was out there that was really hungry for lots of movies. So we can start filtering some of our stuff into these movies. And then, of course, when you had Smoking the Bandit. Which was, I yeah. think, like the third highest grossing movie that year. I think it was second after Star Wars. Uh, look, I'm at, look at that. Second after Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. That's how big that movie was. Then that was there. Like, oh, okay. Not only will people in, in rural or southern counties go see these movies, so will people on the coasts. I mean, my dad took me to see Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, and Smokey and the Bandit too. So I think that's kind of what it is. It was like, oh, okay. We can pepper – no pun intended. Pepper, <laughs> pepper our movies in with this – with this stuff and it gives it some extra flavor that maybe someone down in a rural County will appreciate that. Oh, we have the fat Southern sheriff and the Dwayne and that's, they're going to meet the Phantom zone villains. It's not going to all just be in metropolis. So I think that's probably what it was. And so, you know, I mean, and I agree with you in another movie, you would not have a scene with these two actors by themselves for like a full minute. You just wouldn't have, they wouldn't have the time for that. Yeah, not in a modern movie. I definitely and it, but I, you know, despite the fact that this is a, you know, this is kind of comical, and I mean, well, it, you know, and it, it's 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 there's stereotypes of uh, you know, fat southern sheriff meets Barney Fife here. Right, uh, right. It 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 does ground the movie. It's like the Phantom Zone villains just invaded a different movie in this scene. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's like they literally like they, this was a Smokey and the Bandit type movie, and then all of a sudden, here's three aliens in, in S and M gear, you know? So it's like, what the hell, what am I watching? You know? So it, it, it adds to the whole, the whole, again, I'm saying alien again, but the whole alien nature of the, the fact that these, these strange visitors from another planet have just landed in the middle of this, like you said, exploitation film that mm-hmm. we've, we've found ourselves in all of a sudden. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, it gives it some nice, nice flavor. And yeah, you're right. I mean, they really do come in out of nowhere. And it also gives a sense of kind of like, we like to, in comic books, everybody knows who Superman is. You know what I mean? But in the, like, the world is big. It's a big place. To, to people way out wherever they are here, I guess you're saying Houston, Idaho, or whatever, like Superman doesn't really factor into their lives. You know, like he's just this figure they maybe see on the news, and it's only until the villains literally land in their lap. Uh, they have to like, oh, wow, there's this whole other thing going on. Now, Clifton James, we'll talk about him in the next episode because he has even a bigger part. But I do want to go over his other credits here. Um, as I mentioned, he was in Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun. Um, and literally he was only in Man with the Golden Gun because he was so popular in Live and Let Die that the producers told Tom Mankiewicz, find a way to put him back in this movie. <laughs> and they had to contrive a way for James Bond to meet him again, even though there's no good reason why Sheriff Pepper is in the second James Bond movie. It just makes no sense, but they just literally had to crowbar him in there. Uh, but, but he was also in uh, Cool Hand Luke, classic. He was in The Untouchables, mm-hmm. another classic. He's in Eight Men Out, The Laughing Policeman with Walter Matthau, and The Iceman Cometh, which is one of the few uh, studio movies that is uh, had two intermissions because it's so long. It's over four hours long. 
Uh, oh. I'm, I'm proud to say I've seen it. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's in, and he's in that movie as well. So, I mean, he had a quite, quite great career. He died in 2017. Peter Whitman, who plays uh, Dwayne, Deputy Dwayne, he was in The Spy Who Loved Me, actually. So he was yeah, in the, he, yeah, he was in the next James Bond movie. He's also in <laughs> Superman 3. Uh, and he was in the movie Ragtime, which is James Cagney's final film from 1983. So, I mean, Peter Whitman didn't have a career that Clifton James had, but he had some, some genuine credits other than this. Uh, he does not play Deputy Dwayne in Superman 3, by the way. He plays a different character. Yeah, I saw his man at Cash Point, which I don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah, me neither. But when we, we get do... to Superman 3, we'll have to see. Exactly, but, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they run into the villains. And, of course, uh, you know, Sheriff, Sheriff, as I'm calling him, Sheriff Pepper, isn't going to tolerate this. You know, how dare he, what, what did you say to me? And he makes Dwayne go out there with the shotgun. Uh, and here is the beginning of the movie giving the Superman characters powers that they need to have in the moment. Or they don't even really need to have it. They just give it to him. Where we see that after he uh, shoots it, not, shoots it uh, well, after Ursa tears off the, uh, the badge and he gets mm-hmm. the famous holy skunk sweat line. Uh, and then Na, and then um, uh, Zod uses laser telekinesis vision, which is, of course, uh, brand new to the Superman mythos. It's heat vision with a tractor beam. There you go. Very perfect, yeah. It does <laughs> look like he, a tractor beam. It really does. Because he heats the gun up like heat vision. It's red. It, it's like, okay, he's using heat vision. And then, of course, I know, I know what's coming. I've seen this movie. But just examining it here, it's like, okay, that makes total sense. But it's when Dwayne lets go of the gun, it floats in midair, and then Zod literally pulls it toward him with his eyes. That's the the part that's a little like, hmm. You know, it's like they've – this is the first time, like you said, we see – it's not the last time we'll see that the Phantom Zone villains have powers that we've yet to see Superman use. So there you go. We're not at, you know, Great Wall rebuilding vision yet. No, Oh, oh, God almighty. Um, So uh, (laughs) Zod accidentally fires the shotgun on himself, and he makes – he doesn't even notice it. It's really just the sound. And, of course, that freaks out uh, Sheriff Pepper and Deputy Dwayne. uh, And then then they go and he throws the gun. He calls it a a noisemaker. He throws it under the car. Nan goes to retrieve it, lifts up the car. Uh, and you know, picks up with his hand, which of course is impresses Sheriff Pepper and Deputy Dwayne. And then he drops the car. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when he <laughs> when he drops the car, Clifton James is really acting the whole throwing around thing because he's 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 throwing himself around way more than the car was actually throwing him around. He's really he's really selling it. Yeah, I he <laughs> he convulses for another like twenty seconds yeah, after yeah, the car's it's, down. Yeah. It's like. I think I don't think the aftershocks are still rocking the car, dude. The seat is com- the car is completely still, and you're still shaking around. I know you know it, it was he might have might have done a little you know another take there to kind of tone that down just a little bit. But well, we know uh, Lester, Lester Lester like things big. Yeah, Lester, the go big or go home rich with Richard Lester there. Yeah, and and you know you you was talking about. I, I, I think all these scenes are shot by Lester, and I don't know. We know that Tom Makowitz wasn't on the set, obviously, when Lester was filming. Uh, and I don't know if they hired Clifton James, you know, previously to come in and do this. You know, he was on, you know, I, I don't know at what point he was hired, but I don't think he was any sh- scenes shot by Donner. But I wouldn't surprise me if Makowitz didn't write in the script, if he did write the sheriff in, like, you know, uh, 
Clifton James type, yeah, you know, or yep, something. Yep. And and they're like, oh, he left the notes here. Somebody get Clifton James, <laughs> you know, uh, you know. So that's that's how Clifton call James. Clifton James's agent. Okay, all right, we got. It. <laughs> it's like, what do you? It's like, uh, do you think he could play a bumbling Southern sheriff? I had. It's a little. I don't know. It's a little hmm. bit going to be a challenge for him. But uh, <laughs> think uh, emoji. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think he can handle <laughs> that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I th- yeah. Well, I just real quick, I thought it was funny that you know. Technically, if Zod, he blasts himself like the the barrels of the barrel of the guns right up to his chest when he shoot he pulls the trigger and shoots the shotgun into his chest. There would be buckshot everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, after bass, I mean, Sheriff Dwayne would be riddled with buckshot. I think. But, oh, really? Yeah, I would think so because I mean, with a shotgun like that, it would just like you know, there's buckshot everywhere. So it, I, I think it. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I just imagine that if it's 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 got to go somewhere. It didn't go in him, so it, you know it's <laughs> right. Right, it bounced off and went somewhere. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. But right, yeah. But of course, we don't we don't want to see Sheriff Dwayne get hurt. I, and I do love that he goes and hides behind the other side of the car. And when Non lifts it, he's like, oh, "I was just check, checking the tires. It's <laughs> it's 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 looped in." But yeah, <laughs> it's interesting that just in the previous scene, Ursa be, can be bitten by a snake to the point where she feels it. Uh, mm-hmm. Even mildly, and then he can get a shotgun blast in the gut, and it's not—you know—he just doesn't even notice it. And is that because not? Is that because Zod is just like the more powerful of the three? Is are his? Is he developing his powers faster than the two of them? Or it could be that we don't know the time elapsed between that scene with the snake and this time. So maybe, maybe it's been a half hour. You know, maybe within even in that thirty minutes, Ursa's up to full strength or something. Right, their solar batteries are full now. Right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, of course, it's great that, that Ursa rips the badge off. She's got another, she's got the patches from the astronauts they killed. Uh, now she's going to have a badge. Uh, you know, again, she's the jilted Girl Scout that is, it, I, that's my whole backstory, that that's why she turned evil, that she was, you know, she was she was probably, you know, she she was a little off and, and cruel and the Kryptonian Girl Scouts kicked her out, and by God, she's getting her badges. You know, nobody would buy her cookies, so she's going to kill every man she sees. Would you like to buy some cookies? No, thank you. And then she just gets up and snaps your neck. You're like, well, right. no, okay. All right, I guess I will buy a box of Thin Mints or something. I'm sorry. So, All right. That's an interesting – I like that backstory. If I can, If I can have Sheriff Pepper from James Bond in the Superman movies, then you can have Ursa as – a, a jilted Girl Scout. That's completely uh, that tracks to me. Right. Um, right. So and then so the non uh, grabs a gun and uh, drops it and whatever. And then he goes and he grabs the the uh, the siren off the top of the thing, hands it to to Zod, and Zod gives him the eye roll, like Ugh, you know, like this guy. <laughs> I'm with stupid. Uh, and then yeah. and then non cradles it as if it is a baby, mm-hmm. uh, which is a weird like. I don't think they ever quite track of what non is. Is non mute and not bright, or is he like a child? Because this scene is like he's like a child, and I didn't yeah. get that sense in other scenes that he's childlike. It's just that he's just because you're mute and kind of dumb doesn't mean you're childlike. Because childlike suggests kind of innocence, and this scene makes him seem almost sort of sweet. And then, of course, in later scenes, we'll see that he could be pretty vicious. But it like I don't know if they fully. Like kind of like figured that out of exactly what non is here. I think non's basically like Kryptonian Lenny from 
of my uh, team. Right, right, right. He's he's Lon Chaney Jr. You know, uh, but uh, it, it's uh, he's hairy like Lon Chaney Jr. in other roles. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> had to get a Wolfman line in there. Well, but done. Uh, uh, he, um, you know, in the comics that you know years later, of course, in the two thousands, uh, Richard Donner worked with his former protege Jeff Johns, and they wrote Superman comics that were really pretty good. And, uh, and, and they actually explained that they brought in actually non and Ursa into the comics for the first time. And that non had been this scientific genius that was a mentor to Jor-El. And he basically, uh, violated some of the, the rules of the Kryptonian science council and they lobotomized him. Uh, and that's why non is the way he is, which I thought was a great backstory for, for non. And it's, it explains why. Zod keeps him around because he he was his friend and his colleague, you know, when they were when he was a genius. And so be, so it actually gives Zod a little more character why he puts up with this, you know, from Zod's perspective, this idiot, uh, you know, because because of the friendship they shared and because they had worked together all those years before, because basically Nan and Zod were agreeing on the plans that Zod was going for to, you know, and that's one reason why they lobotomized non if i remember right it's it's been a while since i read those michael bailey's probably like no 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 but that's the that's the basic gist of it is huh. that he was he was a, a genius mentor to jor-el the kryptonian kryptonian council didn't like what he did much like they didn't like what jor-el was doing and they don't they like lobotom- anything <laughs> they didn't like anything and they lobotomized non so i thought that was a nice so you can you can fit that in here if you want or or not i guess it kind of doesn't quite work with what you know the way jor-el doesn't mention the fact that hey you were my buddy and now that you, you know but now look what's become of you but i kind of like it so. hmm. yeah it's interesting i think somebody it's funny you bring those up because i think somebody on our twitter feed the superman movie minute twitter feed i think even asked us if we were going to do an episode on those issues because mm. they sort of fit in that world and that's something i i, I don't think i had an answer at the moment because you and i you know i don't want to promise episodes without talking to you first yeah we'll do it uh but that yeah. I, I know that would be something worth doing as a bonus episode or something because it's certainly you know i mean richard donner writing superman so that that might be something worth to worth considering down down the line yeah, I'd be down for it. I, I really enjoyed those comics. Cool. Yeah, it took them a while. They got they got delayed for a long time. And like uh, it was almost like you know Camelot three thousand or Watchmen level of a delay. Oh, wow. oh okay. Uh, before right. the end came out, but they once they all came out, it was a it was a great great story. Cool. So. All right. Uh, so now we cut to Superman and Lois as they head to the Fortress of Solitude, so Superman can show Lois his Kryptonian etchings. Uh, she, I mean, I, we've been through this before, and they even have a line about it shortly. But man, how is Lois not freezing? She's in fr- just this little slip of a dress, and at one point they're literally over the Arctic. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I would give you the, the the my standard John Byrne line of my biochemical aura exactly is protect. But no, doesn't Superman know that from the comics he's got to wrap his cape around her when he flies her to the fortress? I mean, that's what Superman does. He always takes his indestructible cape off, wraps around the person, and flies him to the fortress. I mean, even in the Superman versus Superman versus it's not a versus Superman meets Santa Claus issue of DC Comics presents, he's got the little kid wrapped up in his cape. That's what I'm seeing right now in my head is the little kid he's taking to the fortress uh, in his cape, and he takes Lois and Jimmy to the fortress all the time in his cape. So it, it's you know it's like that they forgot that part because yeah, Lois has 
like you know, like you said, it's a very thin dress. I mean, basically, it's a more casual version of "Can You Read My Mind" flying sequence outfit. It's mm-hmm. it's the same color essentially, and they're they even play the the theme. It's it's yep. basically a quick quick callback to to the flying sequence in in Superman the movie. Uh, and uh, I do love the fact that Lois like lays her head on his shoulder as mm-hmm. they're as they're flying. It's like, oh yeah, they they it's it's all out in the open now. They can just be, you know. They're going. We're going in new places here, people. With, <laughs> with these two, <laughs> uh, that, and that they will very, very shortly. Uh, they, yes. they, they arrive in the uh, fortress, and there's, you know, it's funny. I don't know about, I don't know about you, Chris, but like, I, I've gotten, I've internalized these movies so much that I take for granted some of the special effects sequences because they're they're all so high quality that I my my eyes glaze over them sometimes because I'm just used to them. But the shot mm-hmm. of Superman and Lois. Flying into the fortress where we see them from behind and his cape is flowing. I mean, it's effortless. It's just yeah. like you don't notice. I mean, there's literally strings that they're being pulled on and then they land and it's all just so smooth. And you, again, you think about this is not computers. This, right. is, this was literally actor and actress on guide wires that are being thrown across this incredibly complex stage. And it just mm-hmm. looks, it looks, it, verisimilitude, you know, it just looks yeah. exactly right, and it's so easy when a sh- when a when a movie series gets it so perfectly that you just you take it for granted. But every so often, I see a scene, I go, "Boy, that that's just beautiful and graceful and perfect." Yeah, I I caught that too, and I mean, it's like the the set of the fortress is just, I mean, it's you know, there might be some matte painting toward the back, but I think I think everything in this shot is actually. Physically, everything that's in that shot, I think, is physically in the camera. I yep. mean, it's all in the camera, and that that is just amazing. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, and I, and I thought the same thing too. Man, we really take this stuff for granted, but these guys were, these guys, the, the technicians on these films were incredible. And I mean, that's that's why, that's why these films. I mean, yeah, there's a few match shots and things like that, and a few little tiny towns and things. But overall, the effects in these movies and like the Star Wars films that were made in the same place, the same time by some of the same guys, mm-hmm. uh, is just it still holds up just incredibly well today. And it's just you know, and and those movies, I'm not going to harp on CGI because it does amazing things. But those movies now are holding up better than movies from 20 years ago. Oh when yeah, they started oh, relying sure. so heavily on CGI that it's like you go back and watch it now and you're like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Man. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, there, there's a lot of '90s movies that I'm like, oh boy, that's rough, you know. But this <laughs> yeah. thing just looks—it just looks perfect. Looks great. Uh, they land. We Lois. We have a shot of Lois looking kind of like <gasps> around at this, and that's the shot from the back cover of the Superman mm-hmm. Two Treasury Edition, which we covered over on Treasury Guest. And of course, she's—you know—she's wow. This is your home. And he actually says, no, it isn't. I actually live a couple blocks away from you, which is interesting that he refers to. His his apartment, presumably on Clinton Street, uh, as his home, as opposed to this, uh, which you know, to me, I'm like, well, this is really who he is. This is his home. This is the ref- this is the reflection of of his inner person, not right. uh, not the not the apartment because that's his that's his you know his fake identity. But I thought that's an interesting beat that he says, no, this is not really my home. That's it's, I guess he's trying to kind of comfort Lois and like guide her in slowly kind of in some ways, right. but I thought that was curious. Yeah. I mean, the Superman in the movies is more akin to the earth one Superman who was, was more of a Kryptonian 
but but he's a little bit he's a little bit in between, like you know, because basically the hard line between the pre and post crisis depictions of Superman is basically who they really are, because Superman is of Earth One is Kal El really, right? But the Superman of the post crisis after Burn and after is Clark Kent. He is the farm boy who later found out he was an alien. You know, what I mean, so. I mean, it's it's super. This this version of Superman. I mean, you could you could write a paper basically about the different, uh, or I mean, a book honestly. Uh, but but I mean, it's it's a little it's a little in between because he is very much. I mean, because he did choose to go against Jor El's advice and went with uh, his uh, Paul Kent's advice uh, in in ultimately in Superman the movie. You know, in that in that moment in the clouds, you are here for a reason. You know, so but but at the same time, so it's kind of like. He he is more. He's probably more balanced than than other hmm. re- renditions of Superman are. You know, he's not one way or the other. He's both. He's both. Now he's not really the bumbling Clark Kent, but he is the Clark Kent on the farm. And one of the few, I keep bringing up Superman Four. One of the few scenes in <laughs> Superman Four that's actually really nice is where Clark goes back to the farm. You know, and it's you see more like the real Clark Kent. You know, and you see some of that in Superman Three too, when he's interacting with Lana. Uh, but but the the real Clark Kent that that, that is from Smallville, you know, mm-hmm. not the bumbling I'm a goofball Metropolis Clark Kent. Uh, so it's it's I mean yeah it, it's interesting. It, it, you can a Superman fan can go down a big rabbit hole uh, talking about well what does what does and we've talked about that what is you know when is it an act in these movies right, and when is right. it not an act and. And it, you know, it's but but at this moment he's telling no, oh, and then you're probably right. It's probably the East Lois. It's like, you know, I really was only you know three blocks away all these years, and you never gave me the time of day till you knew I was Superman. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. True. Well, I think a lot of us have been there, uh, but yeah. uh, it's a conversation for another day. So uh, after that, we come, we go back to Houston, and we're introduced to Derek William Crabb's favorite character. <laughs> Willie, <laughs> played by Marcus D'Amico. Um, Mr. D'Amico uh, has gone on to have other credits. Uh, he mm-hmm. was in the miniseries Tales, uh, Amistad Malpen's Tales of the City, which I actually watched all of. I didn't know that uh, I was looking at Willie uh, then. And he was in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, uh, which yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, that's a pretty impressive credit. But here he is. We see him with his overalls and his red shirt. And I guess he's reading a comic book. I, you don't yeah. really. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, you see the panels. Um, we don't know what the. Com- I I can't get close enough to tell what the comic book is. But um, this this is Willie, and he literally bumps right into Non as he's standing there. And I, you know, we've talked about this again on previous episodes. I love how much Derek William Crabb hates this character. <laughs> I I really dine out on him because because I mean, look, we've had the you and I both have had the chance to hang with Derek in person, yeah. and he is a very uh, kind, thoughtful, uh, soft-spoken gentleman, and then you get him on the subject of Willie, and out it just boom. He just go, he just hates this character so much, and I just I don't look. It's awkward. This kid is awkward. There's no doubt about it. And it the dubbing is weird and everything else. Why is there this British kid in the middle of this town? But it, it never bothered me that much. But I'm entertained by how much William Crabb just hulks out over over this character. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is the Derek is the man that stood in line with me to get Jerry Ordway's autograph just just to give me somebody to talk to. Right, I mean yeah, that. Yeah. I mean that. But but this this old this this guy sets him off. Which I mean, <laughs> it, we're, we're not at the point that really sets him off because no, he doesn't no. say. Doesn't it's his voice. Right. I mean, it's the fact that he's a British kid yeah. in a movie, and he doesn't he doesn't change his accent. <laughs> he, he's probably can't. He's too young to change his accent. Yeah. But they don't they don't dub this kid. I don't think. I mean, I think that's his. Because he's, you know, we were not there. Those, please put my daddy down. You know that right. type of thing. In a movie uh, filled with ADR, they don't right. do it this time. I know. We got this guy like voicing, you know, G, doing Gene Hackman. We got Luke. We we will loop uh, Sheriff Dwayne saying, you know, oh, I was just checking the tires. But you know, but we won't. <laughs> we won't loop this kid with an American actor, a kid actor. But but yeah, but he, it's funny though because he he walks up and he bumps into Nani, sees him. Like shooting laser beams out of his eyes and just stand there and watches him. I'm sorry. I know as a kid, I think that was kind of cool for a split second. But then I'd beat feet and get the hell out of there. And it's right by his head, too. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really terrifying. Non is concentrating. And we see that Non's powers are developing because earlier he couldn't even melt the – he couldn't even like really get the snake – uh, to, to burn with the heat vision. But here, he's able to burn, like, a little hole in the truck. But, yeah, it's right by the kid's head, and he's just watching him do it. Uh, I'd be, yeah, you're right. I'd be like, I'm getting the hell out of here. This is scary. And I love that after Nun burns the hole in the truck, he does a little, like, you can't see me, I'm doing it, but he, like, he does a little, like, jump up and down on his heels. Yeah. He's so proud of himself. He's like, yeah, I did it. He's like a little kid. It's, uh, it's uh, very funny. Jack O'Halloran is great in this movie. I mean, he just, like we've said before, he, him, him and Sarah Douglas could, could easily have slept, walked through this movie and got a paycheck. And, but they add so much to these characters just, just through their, their, I think their own performance choices. And I mean, maybe some of that was direction, but I, I, I kind of feel like that it's a lot of it's them. It's a lot of, it's just the, the natural charm that they have. They bring out, I mean, the little smiling noise he makes <laughs> you know, when, he, when he's smiling, when he's like, ah, oh, burned a hole in it. Yeah. Which speaking of which there's a poultry truck. That's like basically blocking this dirt road in this town. Can we talk about this town for a minute? Uh, sure. because <laughs> I have heard other people say, this is a British director's idea of a small American town. <laughs> And and I and I we know that actually Richard Lester is actually American by birth, but he right. basically grew up in England. So and he does affect and he has an English accent when you hear him talking. Uh, so, but it's it, it I I completely agree with him because it I am from a rural community and I have a trouble saying the word rural actually, but but I am from you know a small town, uh, you know agriculture based community or it was at one point anyway. And there's a lot of little mini bergs in this in our county and around surrounding counties. There are these, you know, it's a it's a, a few houses around a set of train tracks, and they call it a town. I mean, I kind of live in one where I live has a distinctive name. We once had a country store here, you know, a general store. We don't have one now, but they still call it this name. It's it's not on my address, but but the point I'm getting at is those little towns like that. They don't – that's not where people gather. They go – you know, if it's that desolate, they might live there, but they go to the big town and do their shopping. They do their dining. You know, they they don't like – you know, the fact that this – if this town's big enough to have a diner that we'll see in the middle – in a minute, in the middle of it, then why is the road's dirt? Why is there a poultry truck just basically parked in the middle of the road 
It seems like it's parked in the middle of the road. I, I just, I mean, it's like, it's, it kind of reminds me in a way of the town in the original Thor. And that was Kenneth Branagh. Oh, right. Small town. <laughs> another like, British director. <laughs> another British director. And it's like, this is a weird town. You know, it's like, it's got, it's got basically the, I, I, maybe it's not dirt roads, but I'm in my mind, I'm seeing dirt roads in this town. There's a lot, quite a few buildings, but it's like, there's a lot of people in this town, but it's so underdeveloped. It's like, why in the hell would they keep putting buildings in this town if they didn't have a damn road, you know, actual paved road in this? So it's like it's like these British directors, and I love that scene in Thor where he fights the destroyer. It's great, but it's like you know, it's like why would they? You know, they've got this weird view of oh, dirt roads, and I mean, don't get me wrong, there are dirt roads, lanes and stuff out through here, you know, and driveways and things, but actual roads where the towns are on, they're paved, people. I mean, it's not, you know, it's. <laughs> This is, you know, it's it's like I'm, you know, I'm surprised there weren't horse and buggies, you know, in, in a saloon, <laughs> you know, side <laughs> and Ursa walk into a saloon, and you know, it's it's you know central casting from the uh, well, we got laid off when they canceled Gunsmoke, but here we are again, you know, it's uh, you guy know, walks but, in, he flicks a coin at the 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 the, the, the lady behind the bar. Here's some from my oats, and give me some, uh, uh, clean off my spurs. And you're like. Wait, yeah. wait, this is 1980 here. Hold on. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, well, I mean, it's I... almost like it's almost like the, the like a universal, you know, like a, you know, uh, the Europe in in the 1940s, everybody's they're all gypsies. They've got <laughs> they've got caravans and and horses and right, you know, right, it's right. it's mythical. This like what time frame are we in here? You know, we see that Lon Chaney's riding into uh, into town in a car, so it's obviously now, but everything else looks like it's like 1880. Everybody believes in ghosts and, you know, yeah, everything right. superstition, yeah. That's true. Like, I didn't think about that. It, we do that, we do that, American directors did that with Europe, so now the European and British directors are getting back uh, at us. Oh, there like, you go. Here's oh. what your small town looks like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I did not, none of this would have occurred to me, Chris, I will say. None of this would have occurred to me, so... <laughs> I appreciate your, your, your perspective on that. Uh, so then uh, Nan and Ursa walk into the bar. We have another wonderful piece of ADR with the whole, you want to smell strong. Uh, and uh, Ursa is kind of looking around, and they're also, and the two guys are uh, arm wrestling. Uh, I, they, they both look like uh, grizzled uh, gold prospectors with their hats. Um, then the one guy takes off, and then uh, Ursa's standing there. And then, of course... The other guy, the guy in the Coors shirt and the beer gut uh, and suspenders walks in and uh, – not walks up and he says, oh boy, the circus is in town. And yeah. that is where this uh, – these five minutes end as, as – uh, no, what, what, is, what is Zod doing in the background? It looks like he's looking at the sandwich. There's like a sandwich he, sitting on a plate. Like he's just looking – what is this? What is this ham and cheese you know, or something like that? Yeah, it looks like somebody left their plates on the table. They didn't. They didn't. You know, they left their dirty plates. They haven't busted the tables yet at the diner. Which, looking at this diner, I'm not sure if they'll get bust by the end of the day. <laughs> uh, uh, and and uh, because this diner, if you look closely, has a taxidermy dog on top of the TV in the yes, background. It does. That's very upsetting. Yeah, it's very upsetting. I guess they love that dog so much they just couldn't let it go. But that's just disturbing. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, Zod just – I noticed that this time. I don't know if I ever noticed that before because I'm watching Ursa because we 
We know what's going to happen in the next few minutes. Right, she's the one moving in the frame, so your eyes right. goes right She's moving. Yeah. So Terrence Stamp is in the background. He slowly lifts the plate up to him <laughs> and just examines it as if to say, what is this substance I'm staring at? You know, just like, you know, I mean, just like, it's like, you know, is this some kind of sustenance? So, you know, I mean, you know, it's like he's examining, you know, the kind of, we don't know what kind of food they ate on Krypton because, no, you know. We don't. I don't know that they – it was all rock candy. I don't know. Crystal <laughs> – I don't know. You know, it's like we never saw any animals in, at this, ver- this version of Krypton. We never saw any vegetation. So I don't know what they eat on Krypton. But, but uh, so it was very uh, – it was, it was very interesting to watch that. And I, I like the product placement. We got the Coors T-shirt. There's a Phantom machine, uh, fountain machine in the background. Uh, so it's like our product placement, you know, here we go. You know, this movie's pretty – Pretty famous for some product placement. Oh yeah. Later, so uh, we got a little bit here, but yeah, the, these now these guys in this bar, I could see like downtown right now in my town. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I, I mean, that part that part's not so far off. The okay. town itself, yes. The people in it, no. Unfortunately. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Interesting. So so yeah, we're, we're gonna have to wait. For the next episode to see exactly what happens when Ursa and the Zod meet the, meet the locals. But uh, so that's really going to do it for now. So is there anything else we want to say about these five minutes, Chris? I don't think so. These these were a fun set of minutes, though. I mean, it's it's uh, this we're getting to a part of this movie that I think a lot of people remember really well. This oh, yeah. Is, this sequence is, is well remembered yeah. uh, by, by everyone. So this is this is a lot of fun talking yeah. about it. And anytime I get to full-on say that the James Bond movies and the Superman movies exist in the same universe. Uh, it makes me very happy. I, so. you know, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally down with that. I, I, I would love to, to think that, I mean, that that's an opportunity and because, and for me as a kid growing up, you know, of course I saw the Superman movies in the theater. I didn't see the James Bond movies in the theater, but I watched them all the time on the ABC Sunday night movie. Sure. And in my, in my brain, Every Sunday night, it was either James Bond movie or a Superman movie. I know that's wrong, right? But it seemed like it was a. And usually, Roger Moore. Usually, and when I was a kid, I preferred Roger Moore because they, you know, they were showing the more current movies, right? And they would, you know, and, and uh, you know, it was like if it wasn't, you know, it, like it was like three James Bond movies and a Superman movie every month on the Sunday night movie. I know that's completely not what happened, <laughs> but my my brain, my child brain, and adult brain remember it that way, you know. Mm-hmm. So, works for you you know so it's fine right. it doesn't matter that's you don't my head cannon yeah, yeah your head cannon head. so good stuff <laughs> so uh like i said that is going to do it for this episode of superman uh two movie minute of course you can find all the other movies by minute shows over on movies by minutes.com we have the link in the show notes uh we always have to thank alex robinson pizza retailer for allowing us to borrow their format um you can find all the shows that chris uh, does and that i do for the network over on our website which is fire and water podcast.com and we're always talking Superman and stuff over on Twitter which is at Superman Move Men so that is going to do it and so until uh, I come back next week as the adventure continues with Superman 2 Movie Minute. Bye. Bye. Good afternoon Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. 